0: We have been uh, going through the book of Revelation. I want to start with a map this morning. I told you I'd like to put a map together. I just want to show you a map of the area where where um, John is talking about here in Revelation. As you can see, the uh, the current day it's in current day Turkey. We've already talked about Ephesians, which is right here, uh, Ephesus, and then Smyrna. Today we're going to talk about Pergamus and Thyatira. Um, So this is the region, you see where Greece is, where Italy, Jesus was speaking, this is the Mediterranean Sea, obviously, and Crete, Uh, so this is the region that Jesus was uh, addressing, the seven churches of Revelation. So I want you to know that, again, this is a very real place, God is talking to real people, he's dealing with real situations that they're dealing with, and the truth is God deals with us in very real ways as well, as we talked about um, last week, part of the Thing I want us to understand again even as we look at this loss this morning for Keith and Jan when when we read through the book of Revelation each church uh, Jesus starts out with I know I know I know I know I know your works that's what we talked about in Ephesians I know your work I know your hard work I know your perseverance I know you can't tolerate wicked men I know you've tested false apostles I know you've persevered to the end I know you don't grow weary he said, i got some things against you. Some, i got some issues we got to deal with. You've forsaken your first love, but I know what you're going through. I just want to encourage us. God knows. He knows everything that you go through every day. He knows where you're at. He knows about your life. He knows about the things that you've hung on to. He knows about the hurts of your past. When we talked about the church of Smyrna, uh, he, he starts right out in, uh, in Revelations 2, I know your works and your tribulations. Sometimes we say, well, God, I just wish you knew what I was going through. He does. He knows. He knows your struggles. He knows your difficulties. He knows the struggle you have with your children. He knows the struggle you have with your grandchildren. He knows the struggle you have with your spouse, with your in-laws, with your job, with your work, with your business. Whatever it is, he knows. He's got it all. It's about how we live our lives. And actually, again, if, if you go through the book, uh, uh, the Church of Smyrna, he actually said, I know there's a trial temptation, a trial that's coming for you. You're gonna be persecuted for 10 days. So not only does he know what you're going through, he knows how long you're gonna go through it. He knows what the end looks like. To the Church of Pergamon, we're gonna jump right into that. We, we read in Ephesians that, that one thing that God was pleased with about them is that they didn't... Uh, come cower to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. We're going to talk about that a little bit here in the church of Pergamum. Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 12. To the angel of the church of Pergamum write, these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. He was talking about Jesus. In, in Revelation 1, he talked about this double-edged sword, his word that comes out of his mouth. And in verse 13, he says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not remove your faith in me. You did not renounce your faith in me. Not even the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. We go back to the phrase again that I pointed out. God knows where you live. He, he knows, and again, it's not like I know, I know where you live, man. I know where you live. And we think about that with Bill collectors, I know where you live. I, I can come there. I can be there. That's no problem. I know, where you, I know where you work. I, I know. That's not it at all. Jesus in this scenario is looking at it. I think if we could hear his voice, we'd hear it in a totally different way. It's like, man, I know where you live. There's this compassion. There's this heart that just, that just wants to flood our heart and bring us peace. I know. And here he's saying, this is a place where the devil is actually attracted to. That's what he says. Uh, this is his throne, uh, where Satan has his throne. And the angel commands the church, he's like, I know that you live in Pergamum, and it's such a wicked city that this is where, where the devil hangs his hat. If he's got a hat, this is where he hangs it. And yet, through all of that, you have not given up how many of you know we read in john what what the devil's role is his role is what to steal to kill and to destroy that's what his goal is in life in our life in this lifetime is to steal and to kill and to destroy just think about this for a minute the enemy has a plan plan a is, was to, was to kill jesus if we go back and we look at the account, the story of the birth of Jesus, the wise men came and, and they, they told uh, Herod that, that you know we've been following the star for so long. And so Herod's like, all right, kill all the baby boys two years old and under. His goal, the, the devil's goal right from the beginning was to kill Jesus, to get him, out of the, get him out of the picture. Couldn't kill him as a baby. There was a time when he was preaching when the crowd rushed him and tried to throw him off a cliff and he walked right through, totally unknown. The devil wanted to kill him again. Didn't work. Finally, Jesus comes to the point in his life where his ministry is done. He submits his own life to crucifixion and the enemy finally kills him, but not really. Jesus laid his life down, so that backfired on him. Plan B, if killing Jesus didn't work, I got it. Let's just take out the church. I want you to understand, you're part of this. The enemy would love nothing more than to take you out to make you ineffective for Jesus. He would love to do that. Let's just take out the church. He tried in Jerusalem, tried to bring people back into uh, religion where they're following a bunch of rules instead of the life and the hope and the peace and the joy that we can have in Christ. Instead of walking in forgiveness, instead of spreading, you realize that you're here because 12 men decided that they should follow Jesus. Hang on, you got that? 12 men 2,000 years ago decided that they should follow Jesus and that they were going to walk after him. They were going to do what he wanted them to do. And because of that, the church of Jesus Christ is alive today. You get that, right? Imagine. Imagine what effect it would have if you and I decided that what we're going to do is we're going to follow Jesus the way the disciples did. Imagine the effect that that could have a 1,000 years from now, 2,000 years from now. Imagine the effect that that can have on your children and your children's children and your grandchildren's children. Imagine the effect that that can have. You see, the enemy wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He couldn't do it in in Jerusalem, so he tried in other places, dragging people back under the law. And here he is in Pergamum. And you have to almost wonder... Uh, uh, John uh, commends the church here and he says regardless of the wickedness that is around you you have remained faithful even during the days of Antipas now I don't know who Antipas was we don't read a whole lot about Antipas but we know that he was a faithful witness of Jesus Christ he was a believer and for his faith he was martyred he was killed again let your mind do some thinking here what happens if somebody in this church is martyred for their faith? What does that do for a church? I was in Haiti one time. While I was in Haiti, we had a woman who was serving us. She prepared meals for us, a minimum of twice a day, generally three times a day. Um, she came early. She was there. She did all the. Pre- I mean, like did all the preparation. Like we brought a rooster there so she could butcher the rooster so we could have chicken for supper that night. I mean, she did all of the preparation. Well, there were uh, half a dozen of us, whatever it was. And at the end of the week, um, I said to our interpreter, look, look, how much money did she make? She she served us for seven days. I'm like, how much did she get paid? And I believe she got paid 30 or $40. I don't remember what it was. She had five children, by the way. And I said, well, how can we bless her? Like, I mean, I want want to bless her. I want want to do something. I'm like, can we buy her a, honestly, I asked our interpreter, can we buy her a goat? Can we buy her a cow? What can we do? She's got kids. And he's like, oh, she's really good. You give her money. She knows what to do with it. So we gave her a couple hundred dollars. But here's the rest of her story. Her husband was a pastor. Her husband was standing in front of the church one day and somebody came in the back door of the church and shot him in in the pulpit in the middle of a service. What does she do with that? What does she do with that? What does she do with her five kids? What does she do with life after that happens? You know what she did? She chose to continue to serve Jesus Christ. She did not abandon her faith in the middle of that. What would happen to us? You know, we anything goes wrong in our week. Anything. And we're willing to say, well, God sure doesn't have that figured out. God God sure doesn't understand that. God, if you understood, you wouldn't have let my car break down. Maybe if you understood, you wouldn't have let it run out of oil. You understand so many times in our life what we're dealing with is not God forgetting or God leaving us or God doing anything wrong. What we're dealing with so many times is that we planted a seed over here of rebellion and we're now reaping, reaping the fruit of it. A friend of mine was gonna go to jail for a crime that he committed and a crime that he he confessed to. And when I went to see him after he got sentenced, he said to me, I thought God was gonna, was gonna deliver me from this. I, I, I confessed to it. Yeah, you confessed to it after it was done, after you got caught. You did the crime. You planted the seed. The fruit's there. Don't blame God. And we, we way too easily just walk out. Well, you know, the music wasn't good this morning. That's okay. We weren't worshiping you. <laughs> just a thought, you know. Well, it was too hot. It was too cold. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. that that's really, that's just too bad. Church is not about you. It's not about me. We come to worship Christ and the enemy would love to destroy the church. Here's a a place of wickedness. How many of you remember the advertising campaign a few years ago from Vegas? What what's done in Vegas stays in Vegas? Really? You don't bring STDs home? What are we advertising? There's hurts that go on. You don't bring those hurts home. You think you can walk in all kinds of sin. You think you can do all kinds of junk, and that doesn't come home with you? I'm here to tell you, it's coming home with you. One way, one shape, one form, or another, it's coming home with you. You don't get to walk in sin and not have it follow you home. Welcome to your new puppy. You're taking it home. What happens in Vegas it's coming home with you. I was detailing a car one time. We, I owned a detailing shop. The gal sold her car, a gal that I knew very well, sold her car, And while I'm I'm detailing the car for the... Okay, I hired people because I don't detail. It's it's not me. My guys were detailing the car. And they come walking out with this canister of film. For those of you who are under a certain age, we used to have these little boxes called cameras, and we actually clicked the button, and then pictures came out. It was different. It's a different world. Um, But I called her up, and I said, Hey! We got your car in here. And I said, I've got a film canister that says Vegas on the side of it. How about I just run that down to the local one-hour photo delivery and get that developed for you? I'll be there in four minutes. (laughs) And so I just ran with it. I'm like, hey, I mean, really, I could do this. I won't even charge you. No, 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 no. I won't even. No, 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 no. I said, look, it's okay. I'll do this. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Guess what? Whatever she did in Vegas came home with her. And she was horrified because she had a little bit of clout in the community. She was, look, folks, that sin is going to follow us around. And what John is talking about here in the Church of Pergamos is he's talking about compromise. He's talking about those little things that we just kind of let slide the compromises in our life. The devil would love to take you down. If he can't take you down outright, he'll take you down with just a little bit of compromise because compromise doesn't just stay small. It always grows. There's a story of a man who is, who's out bear hunting, right? And he's sitting out, and it's, it's cold. It's, it's kind of fall, late fall, early winter. It's cold. He's bear hunting and he sees this big bear come out. He's like, all right, I got this. And quiet pulls up his gun, he gets the bear in the scope, and the bear stands up and says, hey, you don't got to shoot. Let's talk about this. Well, it's a talking bear. So the guy puts his gun down. He's like, all right, well, you know, what? The the bear's like, you you don't got, I mean, let's compromise. Well, what what do you want? I mean, what are you really looking for? And the hunter's like, well, it's cold, and the truth of the matter is I'd really like to have me a fur coat. And the bear's like, all right, I can work with that. The hunter's like, well, what is it you want? Well, he said, I just really want a full stomach. Getting ready to take a nap here for the winter. He said, i really like a full stomach. The guy's like, all right. Well, let's go have the bear's like, come on, let's go for a little walk. We can talk about this. They walk into the woods, and they come back about five minutes later, and the bear's licking his lips. And he said, well, that that negotiation went well. (laughs) The bear had a full stomach, and I guess technically the guy had a fur coat. Guy told me one time I was in business and I was working. I I had a a, a business leader in town who did not like me. We were competitors. And the business leader started, this other businessman kind of started saying some things about my business. And a a third businessman came to me and he said, I want to tell you something, Tim. He said, "Uh, uh, Keith over here, he doesn't like you. He doesn't like what you're doing. You guys are doing a good job. You just keep it up. He said, don't get in an argument with him. Because any time you fight with a skunk, you end up with stink on you. Don't mess around in the devil's territory. Don't play around with just a little bit of uh, just a little bit of compromise. Here, John, John says, you know, I'm really grateful that you you you've stood the test of time. You you haven't you haven't uh, denied me, but there are a few things that I have against you. The word Pergamos literally means a higher elevation, a city that built itself on, on a lofty hill. Pergamos was the capital of Asia Minor. They were home to massive temples that were dedicated to Greek gods like Zeus and Apollos and Athena, and uh, Asclepius, uh, as well as temples that were built to Caesar. The citizens were sophisticated. They were literate. And yet Jesus admonishes the church for permitting false teachers to put stumbling blocks in the way of believers. And we can't even begin to imagine what that might mean to have a temple built to Zeus in our community. But there's all kinds of things that we worship instead of God. There's all kinds of things that we put first. And you can almost see, if you, as you read this, if you understand the, the context, you can almost see how that intellectualism and the culture gets in the way of discipleship. You know, the culture of Jesus or the discipleship of Jesus is not really that difficult. Sell what you have and follow me. But I got a lot of wealth. I got a lot of knowledge. I lay it all down and follow me. A culture doesn't really like that so much. Revelation chapter two, starting in verse 14. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teachings of Balaam who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and they committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna And I will also give a person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. There are two sins that Jesus points out here by name. Maybe you remember the prophet Balaam. You've heard of the prophet Balaam. Balaam had a donkey, right? So here is the interesting thing about. We read about this in the book of Numbers. I went back this week and I spent some time reading about Balaam. Balaam, the Bible says, was a wicked prophet. Understand, it doesn't mean that he was a false prophet. Instead, he was a wicked prophet. He said when, the, when Balak, the king of the area, said, look, there's so many Jews, so many, so many Israelites moving in here, I want you to curse them. And Balaam's like, I can't do anything unless God tells me to. I'm just going to summarize the story. He's like, I can't do it. Even if you gave me your whole palace. What does that tell you about Balaam's heart? It was already leaning that way towards sin. Even if you, if you promise me your whole palace, I, could, I can only do what God allows me to do. And then uh, uh, Balak sends another uh, group to him, a, a little bit more prestigious guy. He said, Come on, you know, the, the boss, man, he's, he's willing to pay you big money if you come and prophesy him. And, and finally, God says, Look, it's where your heart's at, anyhow, go. Because I can't do anything unless God allows me. And God knows what's going on. So Balaam's on his donkey. This is, a, this is a fantastic story. Read, read uh, Numbers uh, chapters 24, 25, uh, 20, 22 on up through 25 uh, this week. You'll love this this account. Balaam hops on his, his faithful donkey and he starts going to, he's going to go talk to the king anyhow and just see what he wants. And God opens the eyes of the donkey so the donkey sees an angel standing there with a flaming sword. <laughs> the donkey's like, I ain't going. Do. Do no. so he beats the donkey and 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 finally he gets past and the next thing you know the angel, the, the road's getting just a little bit narrower. And the donkey's seeing the angel, and the the donkey's like, I don't want to go, man. They're just balking, and the the prophet's like, you've never done this before, and he beats him, and he beats him, and he beats him. The donkey actually kind of skirts by and pushes his foot up against the building, so it kind of hurts his foot. And then, then we get to the third point, where now the angel basically fills the walkway, and there is no getting by. Wrap your brain around this for just a minute, okay? Get that picture in your head. That donkey cannot get by. I'd read the story, but you can read the story. And the angel's there, and he's ready to separate Balaam's head from his shoulders. Okay? And the donkey finally just lays down. And, and he's beating the donkey. And the donkey looks at Balaam and says, How come you're beating me? I've been faithful to you. I've never done this. And Balaam talks back to him. The talking donkey is tough enough. But Balaam turned and he talked back to the donkey. I know you've never done that. Get that picture in your head. I know you've never had, but now why are you doing it? And he's like, I hope God opens your eyes and all of a sudden God opens his eyes. And he sees the angel. And he knows that he is in trouble. So Balaam continues on his way and he, he meets with the king this is important stuff he meets with the king king shows him he says I really want you to curse all these and they set up seven altars here and seven altars there and, and Balaam's like alright well I'll hang out and I'll talk to the Lord and he talks to God and God says nope you gotta bless him so he blesses him and Balak is like well let's go over here I wanna show you again so he showed him another part of the nation and he sets up seven more altars and he, 14 more altars and they, they do the worship he's like I'm gonna hang out with the Lord nope I gotta bless him again does it a third time you know at what point at what point do we finally say God you've protected me I'm done with sin Instead we just keep messing with it and we keep messing with it and we keep messing with it and finally Balaam goes and he and he you know Shows up that third time. He's like, I, I can't. I got I a prophesied blessing. And Balak's ticked off. He's like, I was going to pay you so much money. You can't even believe how much money I was going to pay you. And yet, now you got to go home without any money. And then we read. That's in verses 22 and 23. And then we read in, verse, in chapter 25, I believe it is, where Balaam the prophet, I mean, it's in numbers, uh, where Balaam the prophet finally goes down and instead of cursing these people, which he cannot do, instead he goes to, I believe it's the city of Moab, and he talks to all these hot young gals, and he's like, you know, the, the deal is, what, what, what you could do is you could just, I don't have to curse Israel. If you just all go over there and tempt them and seduce them, then God will have his way on them. And God's going to put a little judgment on them anyhow. And it's exactly what happened. What's the sin that's going on in the church of Pergamos? Well, there's a woman who's getting up. She's named as Jezebel. We don't know if that's her literal name or if it's just a spirit of, of Jezebel is what they would call it, which means she's behaving like Jezebel of the Old Testament. Jezebel of the Old Testament had 850 of her own prophets. She was killing the prophets of God. She was destroying the people of Israel and this is exactly what's going on in this church. There's a a, a woman. You, uh, we'll read about it here in just a minute. You've put up with this Jezebel, with this woman Jezebel, who's leading the church down paths of destruction. I'm not. I'm not actually. I'm not actually telling you that God says it's okay. But if you did this, she's putting temptation out there in front of them. Let's just let's just read it. Let's just let's just go and we'll we'll read it actually we just we did read it once but I'll just go back um, I have this thing against you no, 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 I'm not there yet I'm not there yet it's there we'll get to it Sorry, it's there. I've lost my place entirely. He's allowed this woman, this doctrine of Balaam. So there's, there's idol worship that's going on and there's sexual immorality. Uh, the uh, 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 leader of antiquity, uh, an author of antiquities, Clement of Alexandria says this about the church in, uh, in Pergamos. They abandon themselves to pleasure like goats leading a life of self-indulgence teaching their perverted grace, and they replaced it with liberty and license. These were writers of their day talking about the church and saying that the church has just gone into all kinds of promiscuity and they've just allowed it and they've said, well, God's grace will cover that. Don't worry about it. It's not my job as a pastor to get up and apologize for what Scripture says. It's not my job to make it easier. It's my job to tell you what the Word says. And what the Word says here is that if you allow compromise in your life, it's gonna lead to destruction. It's gonna lead to destruction. And God knows where we're at. You might think that you've hidden this sin from everybody else. But I'm telling you, God Knows the teaching of the Nicolaitans. We don't know the exact origin of this. It, some Bible commentaries believe that it was a, 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 a man who was who was preaching heresy. Actually, they they think his name his name was Nicholas, um, and Nicholas means one who conquers other people. They they think that. In the book of Acts, when, when uh, the, the apostles were told to set in uh, um, uh, deacons to run the church, some theologians believe that Nicholas was among that group and that he got so off base that he was, again, he'd, he'd allowed this, this uh, uh, compromise in his life to the point that they were, again, sacrificing, they were making sacrifices to idols, they were eating food sacrificed to idols, they were committing sexual immorality. All this stuff was going on. Other commentators believe that uh, the Nicolaitans, uh, just as a as a term that comes from the word Nicola, which means let them eat, and so they were just offering all this indulgences in their life. Any way we look at it, what we're finding is that the Nicolaitans, what they believed was an abomination to God that they could just take in all this sexual immorality. They could, they could do whatever they wanted. They could worship other gods. We, we would call it uh, like a polytheism or pluralism where you can do whatever you want to as long as you stamp Jesus on the end of it, it's okay. Okay. Like, like God knows that we live in all these, these troubling times and these struggles, and so, so, so yeah, I know, I, I, I watch a little too much of that, and I, I go down this road, and, and, you know, times are really tough, so, you know, I call this gal or I call that gal or I, I call this guy or I call that guy, and my life is, is is you know, like, I, I kind of do whatever I want to, whenever I want to, but I love Jesus, so it's okay, right? No, 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 it's not okay, Jesus called us to lay down our own lives. He called us to sacrifice ourselves. We find in Revelations 2, in verse 16, he says, Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. If you don't repent of that stuff, if the church doesn't repent, God's going to come and fight against the church. How many want to be on that team? You know, we live in a world where there are, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but we live in a world where the church can be just a, a social club. You might as well be at the, at the, out golfing because, because we're not teaching the word, because we're not looking at what the word says, because we're not challenged to do right. We're not challenged to live as disciples, as followers of Christ. And the reality is if we're not doing that, we're living in a world of compromise and God is gonna come and he's gonna fight against that. His word's gonna fight against that. And that's what was going on in this this community. We've got great temples to worship this Greek God and great temples to worship that God and we've got all kinds of prosperities and we can worship this and we can worship that. Why do you wanna try and follow after Jesus? Are you kidding me? That's so narrow-minded. Just go ahead and enjoy life. If you want to put the Jesus stamp on at the end of it, that's fine. Do that. That's a wrong place to be, my friends. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, Paul says, therefore, because of what happened in Romans chapter 11, therefore, because of that, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because he has been merciful to us, because of his grace towards us, because he hasn't taken us out, therefore, because of his mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship, this is reality. You want to get right with God, lay your life down and follow Jesus. Do not Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good and pleasing and perfect will. It's not about walking through this world and doing whatever we want to do. It's getting our mind conformed to what Jesus would have us. You know, I can tell you a lie so long that you finally believe it. We kind of go with it. There's a whole concept behind behind Hitler and behind Marxism behind all these other things it's the concept behind all kinds of lies it's what the devil would love to do just get you to, conf- to, to conform just get, get you a, a little bit just, just go off base a little bit it's not like I'm asking you to deny God just compromise a little bit that's all and this word of God no longer becomes the standard but what I want becomes the standard and what I want becomes the standard. I'm led astray. And this church is in the midst of, I would say it's a very slippery slope. We begin to see this descent of the churches here in Revelation. We start out with a couple of churches that are doing, doing pretty well. They've, they, they forsake their first love, but the other church was doing fine. And then we begin to see that these churches start a little bit here and a little bit there and they kind of walk off the path. The Church of Thyatira was next. was an inland church, located on this major trade route. It was the commercial the, the commercial center. They had many guilds. We'd call them unions today. I'm not throwing unions under the bus. I'm just saying, if you wanted to do business, you you had to do it through these trade guilds. It was the home of a military garrison. It was a, a the the patron. there. the 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 god of this city was a warrior goddess. And all throughout this region, they worship false gods. Is, we don't, again, we can't wrap our brain around that. But if you're gonna participate in the local economy, you were required to be part of these these idolatrous festivals and they were, you were required to be part of these these guilds. You had to participate with what was going on in the community. Otherwise, they wouldn't let you buy and sell. You're gonna have a business. The lesson of, Thyatira as we will get into it is don't pretend to just go along with the false teachings for appearance sake don't compromise the truth you've been called out of the truth Revelation chapter 2 we're going to close here pretty soon Revelation chapter 2 and verse 18 to the angel of the church of Thyatira write these are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze I know your deeds your love your faith your service your perseverance sounds good right and that you're now doing more than you did at first. You're growing, things are good. Nevertheless, I have it against you. You, this is where they're tolerating Jezebel. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads servants into sexual immorality. This. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the church on a Sunday morning. She gets up and she's preaching and and when she gets done with her teaching, when she gets done as a a prophet of God, she's leading people off into sexual immorality. It's okay, just do whatever you want. It's fine, just come back next Sunday and leave your offering at the door. Right? No! No! I have given, God goes on, he says, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she has refused. So, I will cast her on a bed of suffering. I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. You think sin is not a big deal? God gives her the opportunity to repent. And if she's not going to repent, then she's going to suffer. Anybody who's going along with her is suffering, and her children are going to die over this. This is a big deal. Well, you know, uh, I can sin. It doesn't hurt anybody else. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Don't buy into that. Don't buy into that. We do not live in a vacuum. You don't get to live your life any old way you want to and not have it affect everybody that you love. Ask any parent of an addict. I dare you. Ask a parent of an addict. They'll tell you exactly what that does to their heart, does does to their life. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches the hearts and the minds and I will repay you according to your deeds. They start out good. But they've allowed this sin to get up and to remain front and center. and they've, it almost sounds as like they've not just allowed it, but've they kind of they've, they've celebrated it. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous place. This is the word. This is what it says. We'll follow after this. God's coming back with this. He's got a two-edged sword in his mouth. He's going to fight with his word. We're going to know what his word says. They allow this teaching. And, and again, we don't know whether it's uh, a particular woman or whether it's, she just is a, a, like a type and a shadow of what we saw in the Old Testament. But we know that this wickedness is going to take us. What, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that if we follow after the works of the flesh, we're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians, I'll just grab Galatians 5 19. There's, there's literally hundreds of scriptures that we can go at. This one is just very convenient. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envious, dr- envy, Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live this kind of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not. And if the church is going to walk down that road, then it's really not the church, right? John also mentions here these so called deep secrets. Let's go on, we'll read a little bit more in Revelation chapter two, verse 24. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teachings. See, he's not just preaching to one little church, he's preaching to the community. Those who have not held to her teachings and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. You know, if the church is walking around with deep secrets, this is this deep spiritual mystical, you, oh, you gotta be in with our crew before you're gonna realize this is just so deep. This is just, a, Raymond and I discovered some deep secret place in Jesus. Again, I hear God throwing up in the background. His ways are not deep secrets, folks. The last thing that was a, was a secret was, was Jesus coming on the scene. That was the last thing that was withheld. There's no secret here. I will not impose, if you if you do not follow down that road, he said, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold you to what I have until I come, to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. You hang on to Jesus, and God says, not only will I not destroy you and your family, but you're gonna have authority over the nations. We'll look at that in a few weeks. That one will rule with an iron scepter and dash him like a piece of pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What he's talking about overall here is that there is no room for compromise in the Word of God. And if you're walking in compromise, I would challenge you to get that right get it right get it right we read through the book of uh, as we read in the beginning of of revelation God was walking through the candlesticks whatever that looks like I'm not sure the candlesticks represented the church he's like I got a message to the church if they don't receive it I'm going to remove their candlestick each one of those cities was considered a candlestick he's like I'm going to remove the church from there you don't get it right God's going to take it away Do I feel in this congregation that you and I got to really worry about somebody who's... I'm not preaching to anybody, okay? I'm preaching to all of us. I'm preaching to all of us. Don't let compromise come into your life. There's an area of compromise in your life. If you think you can get by with some secret sin, I'm telling you, it ain't gonna happen. It's gonna come out. It's gonna come out. It's gonna come out. That secret's not gonna remain a secret because Jesus loves you too much. Hear it, I know, I know what's going on. I know, I know, I get it. He loves us too much to let that stay. He's going to reveal it. He spoke to Jezebel, gave her a chance to repent. She wouldn't do it. All right, no choice. Let God work in our hearts and our lives. I encourage you to spend time alone with the Lord this week. I encourage you to do it again and again and again and again. Let them deal with those things, those areas in your life. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I read through this this week, and I identify areas in my life where there's compromise. My like, God, I just need help. I need help. There's areas that I've just let slip. We need to do that. We need to let God continually work in our lives. Amen? Amen. God, I just thank you for each person here today. I ask you to be with them, to bless them, I pray that you'd work in our hearts and our lives. Help us learn from the book of Revelation that you know us. You know where we're at. You know everything about us. You know our good works. You know our selfishness. You know our compromises. And God, you want to work life in us because there is a difficult day coming. There's also a glorious day coming. There's a day coming for the church. Where we're going to be able to rule and reign with you and you want us prepared to do that. So God, I just ask you to continue to work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Again, remember, you're all invited over to the China Buffet. We're going to have lunch together with uh, Scott and Steve. So God bless you guys. Have a great day.